1: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with Shireen Paykar about preparing to leave your partner, parallel parenting, parenting plans, reactive abuse, and repairing your relationships with your children. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A. Today, we are going to be talking with Shireen Paykar. But before we get to our episode, if you've not been to our website recently and want to be on our Survivor Stories podcast, please go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page. There's a button that says guest form. Fill that out and we will go from there. And... Now we have new friends at Domestic Shelters.org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone. Domestic Shelters.org offers an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you're experiencing, connect with connect you with local resources and find ways to heal and move forward. So please visit our friends at domesticshelters.org to access their free resource. And speaking of resources, we have our brand new Community, our own social network, we're on there. We have our own private support forums. We have Zoom calls uh, twice a week. We have uh, prompt books for our episodes to help you dig deeper. We have ad free episodes. We have bonus episodes on there. And everyone on there is friendly, sharing interests and everything. So if you want to be part of our group, go to narcissistapocalypse.com. Top of the page, it says support. Click on that button and we will see you in our network. And, you know, we are now having sponsors for our show because they make our show possible. And today's episode is sponsored by Kin3, a women's empowerment jewelry company that is co-owned by two sisters, and one of these sisters is a long-time listener to this show. And she wants to thank all of the brave people who have shared their stories with our audience. Kin 3 offers a unique opportunity for you to connect to your story. Each Kin 3 jewelry design delivers a different message and has meaning behind it that will inspire you every day. Whether you're celebrating yourself or encouraging someone else, Kin3 has the right piece of jewelry just for you. Every piece comes in a decorative drawer box, making the gift-giving process even easier. And listeners of this podcast, Narcissist Apocalypse, will get 10% off at kin3.com by using the code SURVIVOR10 at checkout. And I'll have all that information in our description of this show and I've seen this jewelry. It's beautiful jewelry. It's great for gifts. It's great for yourself. And I got to speak to one of the owners of this company and she's a beautiful person. It's a great company, a great message. So please support Kin3 as they support us and they support you. So a big thank you to them. And now without further ado, here is my episode with Shireen Pekar. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, and today with me, I have Shireen Paykar. How are you? Hi,
0: Brandon. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back.
1: Well, thank you for coming back on the show. Shireen is a licensed marriage family therapist based in Los Angeles that specializes in divorce, narcissistic abuse recovery, and mindful parenting, and she is also a coach worldwide. Uh, she can be reached at com. Her email is shereen at com, And her Instagram is at let's underscore talk underscore divorce. All of her contact information and the resources that we share on the show will be in the description of the show after. So you don't need to write them down right away. And thank you for being on the show. And we're going to talk right away about you know the process of leaving your abuser and it's not just about leaving but it's about leaving safely so you know there's a list of things that we need uh before we leave and one of them is making copies of everything you have from photographs uh, all important documents so you have proof of assets that might go missing Um, And, you know, they could be uh, stuff that might be offshore. You never know what's going on with your partner. Uh, So here is a brief list of what you should document. And it's bank accounts, joint bank accounts or sole bank accounts. Uh, Documents pertaining to uh, real estate, uh, anything to do with properties, if you can find those. Uh, Mortgages and lines of credit documents. Uh, pay stubs, having photocopies of pay stubs is very important. Tax returns from your past three years at a, at a minimum is important to have. Uh, insurance paperwork, uh, vehicle registrations and the title. Uh, one thing that people forget about is uh, your valuables and your antiques, art and jewelry. If you can find the purchase price of those things and if those things are insured, uh, find those insurance slips as well. Uh, that also goes, you know, if you have investment accounts, retirement accounts, call uh, the brokers or whatever service you use. If it's an online service, uh, if you have 401k stuff with work, uh, get all of those documents as well. And then also birth certificates, marriage certificates, passports as well. Um, and, you know, other things that you might be need. Uh, you might need before uh, preparing to leave Um, things like uh, opening your own bank account, because when this happens, we need to start saving, Um, getting a lawyer, vetting a lawyer, finding the proper lawyer for you. Also, um, you know, finding a therapist that will understand what you're going through, such as uh, Shireen. Um, And, you know, Another thing, don't tell them you are leaving. You know, when you're making your plan, um, you don't want to get sucked back in. You don't want anything to kind of backfire. So start doing things, uh, you know, you you might trust people, a few people uh, on your side uh, that won't say anything. So you have um, people who are backing you and support. Uh, If you feel that you may be in danger, if you've listened to any of our Survivor Story podcasts, you hear some people who have taken their children and uh, left but didn't notify anyone, and that kind of put them in legal danger in in ways, uh, especially if they crossed a state line as far as, you know, we had one person who was called... um, The police was called on them for kidnapping. So tell the police that kind of what is going on beforehand. Make everyone legal-wise know that these things are going on so people know that you're doing it for safety reasons and not because there's anything like a kidnapping or anything like that going on. Um, Having somewhere to go is big, um, you know, and having all of your possessions out of the home. And that's a big thing because the last thing people want is um, this one valuable thing. And it might not be a monetary value. It could be a very sentimental thing. You know, someone from your past who might have passed away, things along those lines, because you don't want to go back for any reason and you don't want to get sucked back in. And if there's danger, um, that's the last thing you want to do as well. And uh, a big one is uh, if you have credit cards or anything that's like joint that the – that the narcissist that you're living with might be able to rack up more charges. So things that you're on a joint thing with them that you disconnect those things. Um, So what, if they want to go on a spending spree, it's not on your watch. It's not uh, going to be your fault and you won't have to take care of it. So that's um, Mm -hmm. the stuff that I have on my list. Do you have anything to add uh, to this list, Shereen?
0: Yeah, um I was I love this list. It's it's um very all-encompassing and absolutely very helpful. I would add to have a go bag in your car where if you do have to leave in the spur of the moment, you have some items and you're ready to go. Um I would also add um that you don't leave your electronics near your narcissist cuz they may be very good at um putting in uh, recording items or hacking things and some, you know some of them might be able to do that very easily and then be aware of your car location because they are again known to use trackers and do all sorts of things that um, would really impede on your your privacy so um,
1: and yeah, when you talked lot, to, when to you, think about when you talked about the uh, device, Uh, Stuff You have no idea. I had someone um, who was concerned about their child being in the presence of uh, not their ex, but their ex's new um, partner. And they asked me, um, is there any device when my child goes over there that I could flip on uh, anything on my child's phone so I can actually hear how they're being talked to? Um, yes. and cause my child yeah. isn't really communicating with me and their child was, had a disability. So they couldn't, they didn't know. So mm-hmm. like, I'll go look into to that. And let me tell you what I found,
0: oh. um, was mm-hmm.
1: a world of things yeah. that anyone can use that is way easier than you think. Um, that mm-hmm. can be, you know, if you're not looking and they know the password to your phone, they can quickly install one of these. Uh, things. So be, I uh, really be on yeah. guard of your electronics because these things that people yes. have made are pretty, <laughs> I mean, they're pretty crazy of yes. what, what they can yes. do. Um, yeah. So yes. Um, thank you for. And this,
0: yeah. Yeah. And this may be happening even before you're even thinking about leaving too. So that's kind of the sticky part. Like I remember I was in the grocery store towards the end of my marriage and I was, like, doing something on my phone and put in my password, and he was kind of creeping over my shoulder, but I didn't pick up on it until way later, and I got an alert on my iPad, like, a week or two later that said, you you know, your iPad's been is being used on this other device, or your passwords, or your, I'm sorry, your Apple ID is being used on this iPad, and I was like, what's going on? How did he get this? So, you always kind of want to be on alert with your electronics and make sure that you've Change your passwords every so often. Um, You are mindful of where you're keeping your electronics. If you feel uncomfortable, you know, turn off your phone if you're going into your therapist's office and you don't want them to know so they can't locate you. You know, just certain certain things you've got to be a little bit um, mindful of. And the purpose is not to be paranoid. It's just to be mindful
1: and the big one you said there that everyone should uh know all the time even if this isn't in a relationship where you're leaving change your password often um Mm -hmm. it's it's uh needed because you just never know so uh, after you leave, uh, you're a narcissist or you might be in the process of divorce uh, and you have kids um, and you have co-parenting. Can you explain the difference between co-parenting and parallel parenting and what's the best system to use when it comes to dealing with an ex who just creates conflict with every breath they take?
0: So co-parenting is for those parents who can problem solve together and they can act in the best interest interest of their child. Um, as we know, narcissists can't because they're all about them. They're very self-absorbed and they're just going to do what's in their best interest and what they want to do. In co-parenting, parents can go to school functions together. They can go to doctor appointments together. They can problem solve. They'll exchange information with one another about what's happening in each other's sort of households. The parental contact is cordial and there's a, you know, there's a forum for conflict resolution to take place should they arise, which they often do with kids. And in co-parenting, children can continue to get the best of both parents even after this divorce or separation which helps to keep the tension to a minimum, right? So that's ideal. Um, let's just put a little sidebar in that in co-parenting, the parents are reasonable. They're giving, even if it takes from them and their time, because they know that it benefits their child. They will always act in the best interest of their child because they're not thinking about themselves. They're communicative. They share information. Um but here, again, sidebar, we have a narcissist. And what is a narcissist behavior like? They're secretive. They're self-absorbed. They're selfish. They don't want to have fluidity between the two homes. They almost want like an out-of-sight, out-of-mind for the child when the child is with them. And they want to triangulate the child and anyone else. They can recruit to be their flying monkeys, to do their dirty work. But they, again, they can look like they're the innocent victim. They want power and control, and they want revenge at the end of the day because they can't separate themselves from their parenting role. So they feel slighted because something happened relationally between the two, they can't separate that from their parenting role. And so it, it bleeds into the parenting relationship, and that's their way of retaliating. So p- moving to parallel parenting is – usually what's going to happen if you have one or two high-conflict parents. so this is for parents who can't interact or problem-solve because there's a constant high-conflict situation. Um, because of the unreasonable demand, demands of one or both, because of the blame game, the circular arguments, the lies, the word salad, the deflection, the gaslighting, basically all the reasons you're divorcing the narcissist. So I always say the dynamics in the divorce are going to be the same, if not worse, than they were in your marriage. So in parallel parenting, parents have to keep everything separate. You will parent your child the way that you want with your bedtimes, your meals, your extracurricular activities, your dinner times, your 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 life, your schedule, the way that you want to parent. You may or may not attend doctor appointments together. We will share information about the children, but only, you know, what's necessary. It's mostly in writing. And there's really little overlap or sharing about what happens between the kids between households. So each parent kind of has their own house rules, or they don't in the case of a narcissist. And other than health and safety of the child being compromised, we don't really have much business in each other's home details. And this is mainly, again, on the narcissist part. A healthy parent is more than willing to communicate, more than willing to be reasonable, more than willing to share what's happening in their home. But the narcissist is the one that has issue with that. That's kind of breaking down co-parenting and parallel parenting.
1: So if you're in the parallel parenting, um, what are the best apps or uh, ways to go about communicating with your ex where you don't have to, uh, talk to them on the phone and, um, Mm -hmm. where things might be, uh, recorded as well. Um, so they're just kind of like, proof of conversation is obviously, you know, people might get gaslit, you know, you didn't say my child yeah. was supposed to be here at four, you didn't, you know, you didn't say, you know, I was supposed to pick them up here or things like, or or, or mm-hmm. a big one would be mm-hmm. like, you said I could keep them an extra five hours when we went up north, uh-huh. you, you know, that I'm sure that, you know, yeah. big, big, big thing. And then all of a sudden, yeah. uh, you know, that's impeding on your time, you know, because you had plans and sting like, so um, is there uh, apps or devices that you think are the the best ones to use?
0: So I, I will start from the get-go having a really solid parenting plan from the outset. And this is a really, really detailed, almost obsessively detailed, as close to loophole-free parenting plan that includes holidays, how many days are they going to be with their parent in the summer, how many days are going to be on, with the parents on the in the winter, And this is always like mutual. Five days, I get five days, you get five days. Um, By what month do they have to tell you when their summer break will be? Like, things down to that nitty-gritty detail, what time are they going to pick up the child? What time are they dropping off your child? What days are they with the other parent? What days are they with you? Where's the pickup location? Um, What time are we going to get to FaceTime each other? What happens if the child is unavailable because they're sleeping at that first video chat time? You know, um, who's going to pay for college? What tier of college are we willing to pay for? What's the financial responsibility of, um, of, of mine outside of child support? Um, what are we splitting? What is it, 50-50 health insurance? Are we going to communicate in writing? Okay, through what app? um is it going to be email is it going to be text so really getting down to the details and the stronger your plan is the more enforceable it is without this they will almost always not almost they will always find some loophole to, to that has just been agreed upon like right now you know with corona happening i'm sure it's just mayhem because we don't, we don't know, like if there's a stay home order, does that mean we're still exchanging the child? So I'm sure there's a, and that's something we didn't know to put in there, obviously. We don't think about pandemics and like what to do with child uh, custodial time. But as much as you can, what you can think about and put in there, that will be the most helpful. And of course, they're going to try to talk you out of this because they don't like rules and parameters. So, just even saying something like, "I feel that it would be in the best interest of our children to have a detailed parenting plan to help minimize conflict and tension for them and to maintain a predictable, consistent routine for them like that's why I think this is important. They're going to go, Oh, you're so petty and look she's she's the one that's difficult, but at the end of the day the the most uh detailed the plan, the better then down the road, you're not going to have to go back to court to then talk about how you don't have FaceTime with your child when they're with the other parent, which I have to do, believe it or not. You know, there are standards of, of um, divorce that we don't even know about that maybe attorneys can tell us about. Like, you have the right, for example, to speak with your child when they're with the other parent, and that should be in there. So I definitely think that the parenting plan is a very important start to seal in, um, as juicy as possible, all the information and all the agreed upon aspects of your custodial time to help minimize conflict and chaos and mayhem, which they love.
1: So from my own uh, curiosity, what happens when they violate those terms? What is the consequence?
0: Great question, which we know they will violate. That's, you know, the number one thing with narcissists is you always want to manage your expectations, and you know that they don't abide by rules. The rules don't apply to them, and so they will break that. And with every single time that a narcissist breaks your stipulation or your court order, I personally say document, and everyone will say this, Every everyone who knows a narcissist will say document the date and the time, factually what happened, and if you have any evidence, like a photo, a text, just kind of create a paper trail. You want a paper trail to show their failure to co-parent, their failure to include you in decisions pertaining to the kids, their cancellations of their times. Um, any harm or bad-mouthing that was said to your child about, about you. Times they didn't let you speak with your child when a child was with them. And the purpose of this is, again, to create a paper show and a pattern of behavior so that if and when you do need to take it to court, um, that you, you have this evidence, right? Now, the thing that to me is imminent, of course, where you want to say something sooner than later of course, and to take action is when they're child. So the health their health or their safety is being compromised somehow by the narcissist. My encouragement is of course you want to take them to the doctor, you want to take them to urgent care. Don't let things go because things can turn around and then look like it's negligence on your part to protect your child. And I think a lot of times for survivors of narcissistic abuse. You know, we want to just kind of go along to get along. And we're like, ah, it's not that bad. It's just a little, you know, like a red mark. You know, I I don't want to walk the boat. Things are going relatively well with the narcissist. They're like, I don't want to piss them off. But, you know, they are like roller coasters anyways. And they're going to have their tantrums whether or not you go along to get along or you stand firm in your boundaries. So part of my personal experience of managing my expectations is I know that every time I'm going to try to hold my ex accountable for something, he's going to give me the silent treatment. He's going to not respond to my text. He's going to have some retaliation, you know, and I expect it and I write it right. I don't, I'm not going to be responsive or say, Hey, why are you acting like that to me? Or, you know, give him attitude back because I know what's happening. I know in his nature, he doesn't like being held accountable for something. He doesn't like me calling him out on things that he's doing. So the purpose, though, again, is to keep your child safe and healthy to the extent that you can within your control. And um, a really great book on this communication, like you've got up a good point in communicating, um In writing, of course, only, you want to keep it factual and non-emotional, and you want to hold to your agreement, your parenting plan, as much as possible. And so a great book on um, helping people communicate with the narcissist is this B-I-F-F, by Bill Eddy. It's a great guidebook on how to kind of just stay factual and not get um, sucked into that dynamic again.
1: And, and Bill Eddy, for everyone who uh, doesn't know, Bill Eddy uh, wrote the book on uh, high-conflict people, uh, divorce, and dealing with them uh, in court. And all of his books, are superb, yeah. superb. He was a social Wonderful. he was a social worker first, became a lawyer, and then started writing the book. And he educates uh, other lawyers and judges about these types of people because uh they take advantage of the system and he's hired by uh these uh you know states uh to give uh, education so judges know what to look for so people uh like you who are listening don't get taken advantage of uh, by people who are taking advantage of a sometimes a broken court system so um you know many people who are divorced Um, they encounter reactive abuse after divorce. And are still sucked back into the game, the narcissist game, um, your ex might be using your children as flying monkeys or figuring out how to cause issues in your home in your home while your children are with you, and your ex is just you know in their home twiddling their thumbs evilly, something along, you never know what they're doing um, they they want the children to believe the lies that they say about you, so how can you um, curb some of this behavior? And, you know, that leads us to the question, what are things that you as a uh, now divorced uh, ex of a, of a narcissist can control within your family and your children? And what are the things that you can't control?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I find that it's really hard initially to separate what you can and can't control because, um you want to protect your kids, you know, and um, when you feel like you don't have control over that, um, it's a really helpless feeling. And um, you feel really powerless at times to think that you can't in the way that you want to because, you know, we all as parents, we feel like we know what's best for our children. And this is something we really need to take time to grieve, because the again, if we're managing our expectations, the narcissist, is going to be trying to abuse us even after we've separated. Um, a, a friend of mine, Tina Swiven, has a post separation abuse meal, and she does a lot of advocacy with the court systems. She also had a very incredibly high conflict divorce. She's author of great books on divorce and the narcissist. And in this wheel, she really breaks down all the ways in which the narcissist will try to continue to abuse you post separation. And um, some of those areas definitely are um, counter parenting, that she says. You know, un- the unhealthy parent has so much hatred for the other parent that their judgment center is compromised, and their actions are driven by anger and the desire for revenge. There's neglectful or abusive parenting. There's um, continued legal abuse, financial abuse. So there's so many different areas that um, she talks about in her post-abuse wheel. And we just kind of have to be educated on that and to know and expect it because this is who the narcissist is by nature. And the thing that's interesting is that for the children, they will know who they can be safe enough with to exhibit their big feelings, their outbursts, their tantrums, whatever we want to call it, and who they can't be. And sometimes when they come home and you have, quote, bad behavior from the child, it, it may even be that they feel safe enough now to, like, detox with you and all these feelings that they couldn't let out with the other parent. So I would hold the space for that, and I would I would take that into consideration that that might be part of it. Now, of course, it could also be the narcissist and recruiting them as a flying monkey and, you know, trying to use the kids to hurt you, of course, but um, it, I would still hold the boundaries as well in a soft way because children need containment, but not through, you know, dictatorship or harshness. Um I would address with the child if what the parent, the other, the narcissist parent is sharing, it has nothing to do with the child. So if it's something about your relationship with the narcissist or something that really just doesn't pertain to the child, I would even tell them, you know, you don't need to worry or be involved in adult stuff and you should never be in a position to have to choose between us. If it's a personal thing, like, Oh, you never gave me any cards for my birthday. My dad even told me, you know, you never gave a shit about my birthday and you didn't even do anything. Speak to it. And if you have evidence, here's the birthday card that I, here's a copy of the birthday card I emailed, I nailed to you. Here's the gift I got you for your birthday. Here's here's how I showed you love. I did. I, I, you know, I did. I was there. So you want to speak to it with facts. And, you know, narcissists love to triangulate. And if anyone they can find to do their dirty work, even if it is damaging to their kids, they will use their kids too. So um, educate yourself and be aware of what might be happening. But also I would recommend with regards to potential, like, parental alienation stuff, educate yourself on that too. Read um, this book that I think I spoke about last time too, which is Divorce Poison by Richard Warshock And another one that's great is Co-Parenting with a Toxic Ex. Those are both by people who are very well known in the parental alienation world. Um, and then uh, there's another organization, uh, I think it's called Family Access Fighting for Parents' Rights. They have calls once a month with top parental alienation specialists. And these are mainly for people who have been alienated um, with way, in ways to, like, challenge, combat it, ways in which, you know, you can deal with parental alienation. Um, and it's free. So if that's sort of what you're finding is happening with the children, I would educate yourself. And, of course, standing in the way of that early on is best. Don't just kind of let it, let it slide. You know, be aware and be on top of these proactive so that it doesn't get to parental alienation.
1: All right, so now we have audience questions. Are you ready?
0: I am ready.
1: All right, first question in our audience questions. My 13-year-old daughter is asking some really pointed questions about her mother's narcissistic behaviors. I am trying to remain appropriately supportive in coaching her how to deal with them without bashing her mom. Any tips?
0: Yes. So this is a really popular question, I would say. And I think it's great that the 13-year-old is picking up on the behavior. I would even praise her. I would start by like saying, wow, you're so observant. Wow, you know, and then bringing in. The descriptions of the behaviors, of course, we never want to use narcissism as a term. Say, oh, your mom, yeah, your mom's narcissistic. That's why she acts like that. You know, we don't want to do that. We always want to just talk about the behavior. And as the other parent, you know, bring in a sense of curiosity for the behaviors she's asking about. How does it feel for her to experience or witness her mom's narcissistic behavior? For example, what does it feel like for you when mom is throwing things and breaking things and yelling? Um, What's the difference between rage and anger? How can someone express anger in a healthy way? And try to be neutral, because if she picks up on your feelings, either way, it might deter her from sharing more with you. Um, A great resource here is Dr. Ramani has a YouTube channel where she breaks down in a glossary of terms, all of the different narcissistic behaviors. And a lot of them happen so subtly that we miss them. And so the purpose of educating yourself is to, to be a little more aware of what's happening maybe and to maybe use this as education for her. And then also to have the sense that she's validated in her experience. You want to express immense amounts of empathy, Um, Another great thing you can do is, even if you don't want to talk about the mother's behavior in particular, use different characters in movies and shows to pick apart who has narcissistic traits and use these as opportunities for learning. So just real quick, I want to break it down. A, the purpose is to explore and empathize with her feelings. So you can validate because mom's not validating. In fact, she's probably minimizing, she's invalidating, she's gaslighting. And that creates a really deep sense of self-doubt. This is where self-doubt really starts to, to like create this origins in the children because they're feeling something and they're seeing something and then the narcissistic parent is not validating it. So then you start to doubt yourself. And so you, you need to be that safe space for her. And be mindful, of course, not to talk badly about the mother. You definitely don't want to do that. You just want to be the safe space for her experience and her feelings. The next piece of this is to teach herself soothing. Practice and role-play ways that she can deal with these behaviors when you're not there. So boundary settings, you know, can you leave your room if she does? Can you leave and go to your room if she does that? Can you write in your journal? Can you call a friend? Can you talk with your therapist, make a note, and then talk about this with your therapist? And really, just send the message, it's not your fault, you are lovable. That's the biggest part of this whole thing.
1: And the next question Is, well, this is an interesting question. I feel like my husband destroyed my sense of identity. I'm now divorced and struggling with who I am as a person. How do I go about finding myself again? I feel like Red in the movie Shawshank Redemption, where he says he was an institutionalized man, that he got used to those walls, and how he still asked for permission to go to the bathroom when he was outside of them and at work. He was free, but was still acting as if he wasn't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is so typical after narcissistic abuse, too, because it's habits. You know, the narcissist has molded you into this kind of person that he or she wanted you to be, and you've gotten used to that. And so the first step is to just become present and um, get back in connection with your body. You know, practice meditation, mindfulness, and dance. And I think even noticing that you're realizing that you're not in touch with your true self, I think that's a great thing. That in itself is you getting back in touch with who you are because you're noticing you're not who you want to be and you're not who you are, who you thought you were before. So it's it's almost like you're coming out and you're observing what's happening and you're noticing like, wait, who am I? Just I don't know. And I think just even that questioning is is good. So just kind of start small. And get back in first in touch with your mind, your mind and your body connect the two, get back into your breath. And another part of it is, is just breaking patterns. So if you're noticing, um, that you're self-sacrificing, you know, you're giving into people's desires, they're, they're asking you something and you don't want to do it, but you're doing it anyway. Notice when you're doing this and push yourself to ask her what you want. So this is why, like, that book, Reinventing Your Life, was just, like, my Bible, because so many of those life traps, he calls them, are patterns. And, like, self-sacrifice, for example, is one of them. And if we could start to really look at each pattern and go, hmm, I don't really like when I do this. I feel uncomfortable. Um, I want to change this. That that's then this observing and this realization that this is a pattern for you. That's, that's a good first step in breaking these patterns. That so it, was a really good question.
1: And uh, with that question and on the first one where you discussed, um, you know, talking about maybe movie characters uh, or TV characters that are going through the same thing uh, for the kids to kind of, kind of look at and dis- and discuss those. Just in with the, the second question, you know, for people that are having trouble out there uh, putting their situation or feeling into words, you know, what this person did was, you know, they found a movie where they were able to articulate their feelings to explain it to someone else, what they're kind of going through. And I, and it's, you know, if you're trying to explain to things to certain people who don't understand how you're feeling, you know, try to find things like this. Um, cause it's helpful for you and it's helpful for other people to, you know, find support and to find understanding. So, um, I really, I really enjoyed that question. Um, uh next question is i'm about to go through the process of divorce and i want it to be quick but i can't help but feel helpless when looking at my first lawyer's bill the financial burden is causing me anxiety attacks and in some ways i wish i could just not get divorced so money would not be needed Uh, i feel defeated before even starting like my ex has already won what can i do and this, to me, this is just, um, I, I, I mean, nothing is more unfair than this process, in my opinion. Oh,
0: yeah. Yes. I fully agree with you. I i mean, I, once in a while, I'll reflect back on my experience of, you know, going back to court and how I felt as a new mom and um, that going through shock and grief, going through divorce and then having to pay attorneys to decide what's going to happen in my life. And I mean, I mean, I remember one time I was gaslit by him, by him, by proxy through his attorney and, you know, his flying monkeys were in the audience and they were like laughing as I was testifying and it was just like pure trauma. And so I really want to validate, I mean, the whole experience of court and attorneys and even, I mean, getting emails from your attorney can trigger anxiety that I used to have a, a special ringtone, like for just my attorney's emails. And even now I have like a post-traumatic response to that being noise because it, I knew what was coming. So I really want to validate that experience and anxiety attacks. Yeah. Very typical. It's, it's typical effect of narcissistic abuse and it's a typical symptom of the court battle and the attorneys and all the money that's going to be going into this. And, you know, I I think that's absolutely understandable. Um, But here now we're going to shift a little into the radical acceptance again that the same dynamics again are going to play out. And so I would encourage you to think about your options. And that may mean that if you want things to be quick and cheap, you want to, you may have to give up some of your rights, especially if the narcissist learns this is what you want. They'll really play on that. You know, they'll really, they'll want to give you less because they know that you want to be done quicker. And so often, you know, when, when I hear clients going through mediations, They'll be coming up with agreements even, and the narcissist will then move their decision to something else. They'll renege on their agreement, and then you'll have to start over. And so sometimes mediation is also an area where you'll spend a lot of time and money, and at the end, you'll have to end up in court. Because, again, depending on how narcissistic your your ex is, your ex-to-be is, you may not be able to reason with them. You may need to go the court route. Um, But to me, when I read this question, you know, I really, I I saw it differently. You know, I I reframed it to this is actually you starting to be assertive. This is you taking the reins and advocating for yourself by way of your attorney to use the law to get what your rights are. Um, I mean, I don't know the details of the situation, but if, you know, you have property and you have children and stuff, you know, you, you really need an advocate. To help you get your right, um, but know that your ex is probably not winning at all. They hate being accountable for things. They hate paying attorneys. They hate being told what to do. They hate being told that they have to turn in paperwork by a certain date. They hate they hate having to pay you. They hate having to pay for attorneys. They hate having to abide by parenting plans. Like you know, they just I don't think that he he or she is winning. So I really reframe that in a different way. And I I thought of it as as this person starting the first step towards advocating and being assertive.
1: Next question. Uh, How can the parent counteract the narcissist parenting style?
0: So I think this is a really important question that I get asked all the time. And the way that I I look at it is I first look at all the narcissistic behaviors, right? And then we do the opposite. So a narcissistic parent is going to be love bombing their child at times. They're going to do what's easy, fast, fun. Um, They're going to be non-reciprocal. They're going to be controlling. They're going to expect the child to just do what they want and make, you know, unilateral decisions. There's going to be competitive. There's going to be buying the kids love through financial means. Um, they're going to be condescending and, you know, guilt tripping and conditional love and all that stuff. Everything that we basically knew that they did to us, they're now going to be doing with the child, right? So, what I'd say for the healthy parent, not just with the child, but through their modeling with others is, of course, to have regard for others, but maintain healthy boundaries. You know, really learn about boundaries. There's A great podcast on, on that one is, is called Beyond Bitchy, and she, she really breaks down boundaries so beautifully. So we want to have healthy boundaries with our children and respect their boundaries and also have healthy boundaries ourselves with others that, that we're modeling. Um, self compassion is a huge one. You know, the narcissist is super critical towards themselves and others. So we want to model self compassion. Um, have healthy standards for the kids. The narcissistic parent has unrelenting standards, as we know. Um, they they always want to have a place to criticize the child. You want to be the parent that praises them for their uh, process. You know, rather than the product, you know, so there's a woman, uh, Carol Dweck, who does a lot of research on praise. And I love her work because she really helps facilitate this, this growth mindset for kids where they're learning that they can do more because they have been praised on their behavior rather than, oh, this is a beautiful thing you made. It's wow, you put so much focus and attention into this piece of art. You, you know, you chose these colors so carefully, you know, so you're praising this process. Um, The narcissist is all about the product because that's what makes me look good. Um, Your child is going to be viewed from the healthy parent's perspective as separate. You want to respect and honor the autonomy of your child. You want to love your child and throw them through, show them through, nurturance and attention and quality time and meeting their emotional and physical needs. Whereas the narcissistic parent is going to be uh, buying them stuff, lavish vacations, um, buying love through financial needs, right? Um, and so, most importantly, if anything. I would say the healthy parent wants to repair the breaks in the relationship. But I think we all mess up as a parent. We have bad days. You want to go to your child and really repair them and talk about it, talk about how they felt, and apologize. Because we all know the narcissist will not apologize. So be the opposite of everything your narcissist was and keep, keep doing what you're doing and praise yourself and have self-compassion when you make mistakes.
1: And now we have our last question. And this question is my favorite of them all. Because um, mm-hmm. to me, it's a really important question. At what age is it best to send kids to therapy as a precautionary measure? And how do I bring it up to them so they don't think that there is something wrong with them?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. This is a, this is a tough one. Um So play therapy can be done very early on, but um, I would say four years old and up would probably be more helpful, I would think, because the child can talk more rather than just play. But again, I don't want to discount play therapy. I think play therapy is incredibly helpful because children release emotions through play. And so I think that, very early on, especially if you're seeing um, behavior or irritability, depression, anxiety in your child, you know, I I definitely think it's helpful the earlier the better, honestly. Um, I would explain what therapy is to begin with, of course, with an older child and how it's helpful. You know, I might say something like, you know, you might feel uncomfortable telling me everything. So a therapist is someone you can share everything with and talk about things that are bothering you. You can talk about something you'd like support with. Um, You can feel safe sharing with them because they're your advocate. You know, they won't judge you or feel that you're picking sides. And um, if they expressed that they don't want to go, I just, to, you know, seriously ask, well, what are your reservations? Like, why aren't you wanting to go? And um, I think that sometimes helps children bring up some of their worries that you may be able to talk through. But I think therapy is really, really important for children who are in a situation like this in a narcissistic family because you have a third eye on the child. And a third set of eyes helps to uh, be an advocate for the child, it helps pick up on things earlier on, and it helps if there needs to be like child abuse reporting to have it come from a neutral third party. So I, I'm a very big advocate of um, play therapy, of child you know therapy for kids, teens, regardless you know of, of really what's happening. And so I think very good question, and I highly encourage it.
1: Well, Shireen, I want to thank you for being on our show once again. And uh, for everyone out there who uh, wants to get a hold of Shireen, her website is talkwithshireen.com. Her email is shireen at talkwithshereen.com. Her Instagram is at let's underscore talk underscore divorce. All of this information, plus all of the resources she mentioned, will be in the description of this show. So please check all that out and go to Shireen's website as well. Uh, Anyone who's going through divorce, you heard Shireen uh, today. Uh, She is very knowledgeable about all of this stuff. And if... Uh, you need information or help with whatever issues you're having. Uh, Shireen is the person to go to and she's been on her show before. And I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on the show. Uh, once again, thank it's, you, it,
0: Brandon. it's always a pleasure. Thank ple- you so much. It, it is it's such a special pleasure speaking with you. And I'm so passionate about this subject as I see you are too. And I love the work that you're doing with the podcast. too. I think it's, really incredible. And I hear so many people just expressing how helpful um, what you're putting out there is too. So thank you.
1: Thank you. And for everyone else out there who is listening, I hope you have a good night.